All right, welcome to The Money Puzzle. Pretty interesting name, right? Yeah, so if you didn't catch that, uh, go back and watch last week's episode. We rolled out a new name for our podcast. Uh, it's actually called The Money Puzzle. Do we do we put podcasts on the end of that? I don't know. Do we? Do you want to? No. We're not no. going to. No. no. It's okay. Just, it's just, just called entirely. The Money Puzzle. All right, so anyway, yeah. we introduced it last week. Uh, if you guys know that watch us for a while, we've uh, we sort of have uh, gotten rid of the name uh, Peace of Mind Radio. We did that for a long, long time. We got a couple things that are coming up, especially over the next several weeks. Uh, hopefully, mid February of 2022, we should be rolling out something new uh, that we're all pretty excited about. Um, actually, we're all really excited about it. So. In the midst of doing that, we changed uh, the name to The Money Puzzle, and so we thought we'd be fairly consistent to keep the names consistent, so we changed the name of our podcast to The Money Puzzle as well. So, in case you didn't catch it, if you, don't want, to mo- if you want to know more about it, go back to last week, listen to that, and we'll explain it in more detail. But for today, we set up last week's uh, show uh, for this week. We are talk- we're right in the middle of, uh, what is this, the end of January of 2022, mm-hmm. And uh, today's the 24th, and we're right in the middle of what? Uh, well, it's been a fun year in the market so far, and we, we can, we've officially yeah. entered correction territory. So Yeah, we're in a market correction. So yeah. we thought we'd spend today talking about sort of what it, you know, we hear that term a lot, right? And I know we throw it around like it's nothing. We don't use it that often, so we're going to talk about how often do these occur, what does it really mean? And then what are some of the things that we shouldn't do during a market correction that we see all the time? And then what are some of the things that you should be doing during a market correction? Right? Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is the technical definition of a correction? Do you may want to take that? The, the technical definition of a correction is the when the market uh, goes back 10% from the highs. So, for example, the S&P 500 um, hit, the, uh, hit the high on January the 4th as of today at one point. I don't know if it's still there yeah. right now, but as of today at one point, it went into correction territory. The NASDAQ was in uh, correction as of last week. Um, again, you fall back at least 10% from the highs, um, from the all-time highs as uh, enters a correction so, territory. And, uh, earlier today, the S&P was down about 11.5% off of its all-time high, yeah. so it was up to 4,800. 47, or right, yeah, at, right around yeah. 4,800, uh, and it's down about 11.5% from that as of, like, right now. Uh, the NASDAQ last week was down about 13.5% mm-hmm. off of its all-time high. Um, don't know what the Dow was, but I know the, the Dow had been kind of the one that was holding steady up until about uh, at the end of last week and now this week. So we're officially closing in on a correction territory with the Dow Jones uh, Industrial Average, which is a little more heavily weighted towards the biggest companies so now we're starting yeah. to see some more destruction <laughs> maybe that's probably not the best word to use but we're seeing we're seeing a little bit more of a correction with the the largest stocks out there think your amazons your googles your facebook's etc microsoft's you're finally starting to see some of those stocks um cave into you know uh, what we're seeing throughout really the rest of the market yeah and i'll say that uh, this really got accelerated when we started to see a correction in the technical side or the you know the uh, IT side mm-hmm. or, you mm-hmm. know, technology, technology. Yeah. Thank you for saving me there. <laughs> yeah. The technology side, it really, that's where it all started, right? If you go back and look, the NASDAQ started to fall off, it hit correction territory and then everything else is like, okay, we'll just go ahead and follow suit. So, uh, so that's really where it started. All right. So, uh, how long does the average, um, or how, how long does the average, uh, or how long, what's the average time? Let me get this out. What's the average time? 
from a correction when it hits the bottom of a correction until it recovers. Does anybody know how long? Uh, on average, it's about 45, 60 days. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, less than two months. Right. As long as part. it's what they consider non-fundamentally, uh, a non-fundamental correction. I mean, there's not something in the market that's caused it. Like in 2008, we had a correction, right? right. But that was... Bear Real market. estate. Yeah. I mean, there was an issue in the market that's like, oh boy, we, you know, we're in trouble mm-hmm. here. That's totally different. These corrections happen about every, well, we'll get to that in a second. But anyway, uh, so when they happen, they're typically about, you know, 45, 60 days or so. Uh, they, they recover. Do back. you think you, do you think you would classify this one as fundamental or not? Just out uh, of curiosity. I, I, I don't think so. Cause this is just regular, regular items out, you know, that are, they're in the market. I, I tend to agree. Yeah. yeah. That I don't think there's anything fundamental. There's no, you know, it's not like it, the unemployment number is weird. I mean, the unemployment number is weird because it doesn't reflect true unemployment, but it's not like it's 12, 13, 14%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, earnings are going to be not as good as what they were back in third quarter um, because, you know, fourth quarter wasn't as good. So it's just not going to, and we had, you know, there's issues that revolve around that, but I don't think it's going to be as good. Um, GDP is going to be okay. So if you look at the core fundamentals, nothing's going to be outstanding this quarter, but nothing's horrible enough to cause the market to sell. Well, I think, I think two things are occurring now, and, and you guys can add to this or, you know, you know anything that you want to elaborate on, please do. But two things that I think have really fueled this correction right now anyway, and neither one of them I think is, is, is huge. Um, one, the Fed finally decided to raise rates. Yep. They've been talking about it forever. When you have hyperinflation like we're finally having, I mean, we're, we're, you know, when we're talking about inflation numbers, 7 to 10% year over year, um, you have to address that. And really the only way to address those inflationary numbers is to start talking about raising rates. So that's what's really started to fuel the correction in the technology sector, it, it will also in the growth sector of the market as well. Yeah. So when you talk about raising interest rates, in which the Fed has signaled they're going to do probably at least three or four times starting in March and, and in 2022, when you start raising interest rates, what happens is those, um, you know, uh, higher growth companies that are f- using debt to fuel their growth if you're using debt to fuel your growth, you have to pay a higher interest rate on your debt, obviously, and that's going to affect your revenue and, and your balance sheet. So that was kind of the first thing. The other thing was we're starting to see the numbers come in from December on retail sales. The retail sales were down in December. I think primarily that's because they were higher in November because I think everyone was a little bit scared with the supply chain issues, and so a lot of the Christmas shopping was getting done a little bit earlier than yep. usual. Um, all that to say, though, when you look year over year at the retail sales numbers for December, it was actually like 17% higher than it was the year before in yeah. 2020. So um, it, there, there's still cause for some positive things to take away, but I think in the moment, those two things happening has freaked the market out a little bit, and we've had a little bit of a, a quick correction. You know, the yeah. one thing I'll add, and then Aaron, I'll come to you for the next one, but the one thing I'll add about the Fed, you know, the Fed, everybody, so many people misinterpret what the role of the Federal Reserve is yeah. and what their <laughs> actions do to the markets, right? The Federal Reserve is raising interest rates for two reasons. Number one, they're signaling to the economy that the economy is good enough to withstand a rise in interest rates. Absolutely. They're saying, hey, we're uh-huh. on great footing. The markets, the economy's great, so we can withstand raising interest rates, right? So that should send a positive signal to the market. If everything's good, if the Fed's willing to raise yeah. interest rates, that should be a good thing. And number two... They're raising interest rates because they have to have something in their back pocket in case we get into another situation. They have to have a way to lower interest rates, right? So they've got to find a time to start raising interest rates so that if we find ourselves back in another 2008 or another, 
you know, crisis with, uh, you know, with COVID or whatever the next issue is going to be, they got to have something in their pocket to build to lower interest rates. Right. It, it right? It's interesting too, because nothing has happened yet. They, they, right. they said they were going to raise right. rates. Nothing has changed. They haven't raised rates yet. So we've had this ultra reflexive reaction in the market due to the Fed just going and having a press conference, basically, and announcing that they're going to raise rates. Um, and we had some data, like I said, come in on, on December sales. But ultimately, when you zoom out and look at the bigger picture, year-over-year sales weren't really that bad. So it, 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 this is just a very clear illustration when you look at the market that it is not <laughs> it, it's not rational. It's never rational. It's always emotional. Yeah. Yeah, so real quick, Aaron, how often do corrections occur? Uh, on average, corrections occur about every 24 months, so um, somewhere in that ballpark range. If you if you think about it, we're not quite 24 months from the beginning of uh, the one that happened two years ago, but we're getting close. Yep. Um, so it started in February, so in 2020. Um, the all-time highs were reached, I think, uh, like February 12th or 11th, somewhere around that range. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it started an accelerated um, drop. Everybody knows what happened there. And the reason why w- w- that was caused, obviously, with just came out of the, out of the blue. The, the economy was great. Everything Unemployment rate was at uh, 30 to 40-year lows. Yeah. Jobs were being created. Everything was going well. And then all of a sudden the pandemic happened. So... Um, but just kind of talk about how quickly we get out of them, even with the pandemic happening there, when things started getting on more solid ground, the market came right back within, you know, 60 to 90 days. Uh, it was almost for the NASDAQ, it was close sooner than that. And then for the S and P, it was maybe a little bit outside of that 90 days. It was July, I think. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah, It it bottomed out March 23rd. So I think it was late June, early July, if I remember serves me right. And that wasn't a, that wasn't just a correction. That was back in the bear market. That ended what the longest bull market in the, in the history of of the stock market. So, um, so again, we went straight to the bear market, but again, recovered there. Part of the reason why we recovered is because the fed did what they did, um, recover quicker is because the fed did what you were talking about. They took some of those tools out of their toolbox to help the uh, econ- the economy, help the uh, market and everything else. One, they started quantitative easing. So they started putting flood money in, uh, buying uh, debt and doing all that. And now, right now, they're starting to take that off their balance sheet, which is ha- causing some of these issues too. And then also they lowered the rates. They were raising the rates uh, mm-hmm. in 2018 and, and 2019, just like they are talking about doing now. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they went basically at the the they they went all the way down to zero to 50 basis points uh, on that on the rate. So, uh, you know, that's helped the market spark the markets back up, uh, helped the economy uh, start. To recover, but let's not. Uh, a lot of people, maybe watching this, and, and clients we talk to, think that the market is the economy, and they're they're two separate things, and Very we're kind of so. starting to see that right now too. Yeah, and one, one thing I'm gonna say, and this is a whole show on what the Fed Fed funds rate is, but make no mistake about it, the Fed funds rate does not affect any of us individually. It doesn't affect the markets. It has nothing to do with that whatsoever, other than. It's the bank's overnight borrowing rate. That's all it is. Um, and that really shouldn't affect anything, but it does. And so what happens is Fed Fund, Federal Reserve comes out and says, we're going to raise interest rates you know, by you know, quarter basis point, which is probably what, what they're saying they'll do is have mm-hmm. a series of quarter basis point hikes. 
So really, it shouldn't affect, it has no effect on my checking account, has no effect on any kind of loans we have, but it does, right? I mean, because banks go, oh, we're, they increase the, you know, the Fed funds rate to us, so we're going to go out and, uh, you know, and increase prices, you know. Yeah. But the funny thing is, when they go up, they don't, the banks don't follow suit as much on the upside as when they, on the <laughs> downside, they'll follow, you know, uh, down, uh, if it's a quarter point drop, they'll follow that all day long, but. Uh, but anyway, so that's a whole different story uh, about Fed funds rate. And by the way, if you think that the Federal Reserve has a direct impact on what they charge for your checking account or what they charge in your line of credit, just go do the research and, and find out what the uh, the overnight borrowing rate really means and how it really should affect you. And it really should have no effect on you. And banks really shouldn't even, uh, at the end of the day, they shouldn't even use the Fed funds rate because uh, they should have enough cash, cash on hand to not have to access that. But uh, some banks do. All right, so uh, real quick, let's talk about what are some of the what are some of the things that we see client mistakes clients make when you have a market correction like this. What what are some of the things that we see uh, that they do they shouldn't be doing? Panic, number one. Panic in what way? Start selling positions at the bottom. I mean, I can I have. There's so many war stories. We all have these war stories and and things that that we've heard from clients. And I yeah, you know, I know clients that. Uh, panicked and sold out at the bottom of 2008 and they just never really fully recovered because mm-hmm. they missed you know when it, after everything dropped they missed the initial you know rise uh you know the, the comeback up in the market so you, you have to stay invested you, you if if your financial plan dictates first of all if we put together a good solid financial plan you're not fully exposed to the market anyway and that i think we need to probably talk about that first and foremost all these different things all these corrections that we're talking about are happening in the s p 500 the dow jones industrial whatever indices whatever index you want to look at you our clients most clients are not invested in those directly we have diversified portfolios. You have some exposure to the S&P. You have some exposure to the Dow. You also have exposure to the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, right? And, and all these different things. Mm-hmm. So you're not invested in just one thing or the other. So all of these headlines that are dominating the news media are really coming strictly from the S&P 500, which is just how many stocks do you want to guess that represents, right? <laughs> 300. <laughs> I know you had no story. But yeah. basically, you're looking at 500 stocks, and the Dow Jones uh, Industrial Average was just quoted the most. Um, that only represents, what, 24 stocks? I think it's 30. 30. Right? Or yeah, 30, 30? 30 stocks. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah 30 stocks. So I, I, don't really, I don't know either. I think that's it is 30, 30, but yep. I don't pay much attention to the Dow Jones anyway. So. And, and the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones are both you know market-weighted, so it's not yeah. even an equal weight. So you have the biggest companies that have an overdue um, influence outsized influence on the performance of those indexes Uh, so you have to separate kind of you know how you're invested versus the headlines that you're seeing and and what's happening in the quote-unquote market yeah I I would agree with exactly what Eric says the biggest thing is is emotions they get they let their emotions uh, take control here essentially where um, you know, they're, if they if they're watching our portfolios every day, which I wouldn't even recommend doing that because it's an up and you know <laughs> you're like this. But you start seeing your portfolio go down ten percent in a short period of time, or you see your portfolio go down twenty percent or whatnot in a certain period of time. People start thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm losing money! I'm losing money! I'm losing money!" But the reality of it is, is you only really lose that money when you sell that position, uh, when you sell out and you move it to cash. 
the the biggest question I always typically ask somebody, whether it's a retirement plan or review that I'm doing with a participant or it's a client or whatnot, if they have a question, should I sell? What should should we reposition? Should we do this? Or they want to do that would be the first question is if you're going to sell a position and at a loss or at any time, really, at what point in time are you going to get back in? And to your point, and there are a lot of people that I've seen that moved their money to a fixed money account or annuity mm-hmm. or something in 2008 because everything that had happened and they lost 20 or 30% when they made that uh, uh, switch. And in 2017, 18, 19, whenever I was meeting with them, even now, even up to this point, they missed out on the entire bull market that mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And that is a large amount of gain. The other thing that I would say is the timing. There's so many people that want to try to time these markets. And to Eric's point, sticking to the financial plan, making sure that that plan dictates, okay, what is your time horizon? Is it 10 years? Is it 15 years? Is it five years? Whatever. Your portfolio should be structured in a way that meets that time horizon when you're going to need to start using income from that. Then you've got a bucket for growth or whatnot. But we're not trying to time the market because if you literally sell out, when do people want to get back in? When they see mm-hmm. all of a sudden the market com- comes up 4% in one day or 3% in one day like we saw a couple of years ago. Oh, now it's time to buy. Well, we just missed out on maybe the largest gain day that we had. So, and w- Yeah. I saw a great, I uh, read a great article recently. It was talking about there, were th- there was an example of, of three different investors. One investor was really, really safe and was only buying when he felt safe and secure, and he ended up buying, for the most part, at the top of the market because that's when the market was, quote-unquote, the best. Another investor only bought at the bottom of the market, and this was going back to, like, 1980, up, up through today's numbers. Started with $100,000 theoretically. The third investor was basically buying consistently every single month, the dollar cost averaging, buying when it was up, buying when it was low. And it, it very clearly showed the difference in, you know, between the two individuals that were trying to time the market, one that did it well, one that didn't do it well. The one that didn't do it well ended up with, I think still ended up with like $800,000. The one that did do it well ended up with like 1.1, 1.2. The one that just did it consistently with no regard for trying to quote unquote time the market just consistently invested whether it was up or it was down ended up with an additional six hundred thousand dollars over the person that timed the market well and and did did the right thing and and timed it at the bottom and only bought at the bottom but he was sitting on so much cash in between there it only bottoms out so often Um, you only get these really massive bear markets once a decade or so i mean we had one in what you know in 2020 we had one in 2008 we had one in 2000 with the dot com and then the one before that was 87 mm-hmm. by monday right so these things don't happen too terribly often i think real quick just to piggyback on that because um, i work with a lot of of clients that are in uh, retirement plans so like yeah. 403bs government plans that's or why they're so good exactly so if you are participating in a 401k a 403b uh, 401a plan whatever it might be where you have systematic simple ira where you have systematic contributions going in your dollar cost averaging, you're doing exactly what Eric just mentioned. So every time you're contributing to that account, when that stock market's down 20% or 15% or 10%, you're buying at lower prices. When that goes back up, now you bought more shares at a lower price mm-hmm. to go up. So so again, you want, you don't, if the market went up every single day of the year from here to there, certainly you're going to make money, but you're also going to pay for the highest, uh, you're paying the highest price you can possibly pay every single day when you're, when you're putting money into the market when you do that. Well, yeah, we, we did a show, 
Well, well first of all, let me say this. So uh, the market is inherently what? Risky. By definition, there, there's risk involved. It's going to go, you know, you're, you're going to go up, you're going to go down. But without risk, there is no return. So the alternative to not investing is to take your money out and you're not going to get any kind of return or any kind of return you do get is going to be so minimal. So maybe you're happy if you're invested in something with a fixed income that the Fed finally announced that they're going to raise some rates, right? But yeah. we, did, uh, we did an episode uh, last year um, talking about some, some data or some numbers around investing in the stock market. And one of the ones that really stuck out to me was the fact that the stock market is actually down, I think, on 55% of the days. So 55% of all days, if you're checking that account on a daily basis, 55% of the time, you're going to see a negative balance or, you know, the, the market was down on any given individual day. Most days it's down, but when you zoom out, you have to look at these things over a long time horizon. If you zoom out, you're going to see a positive, uh, positive return in most cases. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, well, I still want to say that. That's a, that's a, ver, that's a phrase we were going to remove from my vocabulary, wasn't it? Yeah, we talked about that. All right, so maybe at the beginning of the day. No, kidding. Uh, but look, it, it, anything that dealing with money is emotion, right? We talk to clients all the time. We say this, we say yep. this one phrase to them all the time. Every major financial decision you make in your life, there's two sides to it. There's the data side of it. That's what the numbers tell you to do. And then there's the emotion mm-hmm. side of it. Uh, and sometimes that emotional side can sort of outweigh uh, the number side. But it's no different when you have a market correction. The numbers will tell you to stay in it, right? The numbers actually tell you to buy more, right? If you have cash, put that cash to work. Um, but then there's the emotional side of it as well. I, you know, I don't feel good putting money when the, you know putting my money in the market when it's down, you know, a thousand points. Um, but the, and sometimes that can be that can be tough to allow your emotions to get out of the way to do what you should be doing, which is adding more money uh, to the pool. So at the it, if you're if you're looking for something to say, well, what should you be doing, right? Um, this table, I'm getting ready to smack you with that <laughs> microphone there. That's why uh-huh. I moved it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I, I'd say, you know, it's all about consistent. It's all about being consistent and, putting, and allocating money when you, uh, when you have it. And really, I don't know what tomorrow the market's going to look like. I don't know what's going to look like five days from now. But what I do know is the market constantly goes up. Uh, it just it looks weird going up there. It can be all over the place. But, but – in the long haul, the market's going to be positive. That's what it's always done. I think it's what it's always going to do. But it's going to be pretty choppy in between, and we're going to have times like this. But you just got to, you got to, you got to be able to withstand the volatility and not look at your statements. I, I joke around, and go, oh, don't open your statements this month. And I, I mean, you open them up and look at them because you need to know what's going on. Um, but sometimes it can be kind of tough to look at. Every every market correction in the past looks like a fantastic buying opportunity by the mm-hmm. dip, right? Every market correction in the past looks like a buying opportunity. Every market correction that you're currently living through feels like the end of the world. We will get through it. We always get through it. I don't know if it'll be next week. I don't know if it'll be this year. We will get through it, and we will come out on the other side, like you said. When you zoom out, look at a big enough time horizon, it's going to go up. Just as long as you didn't say, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together. If I, heard, no. I do not want to ever hear that saying again. <laughs> and if you're not from Kentucky, you know what I'm talking about, just Google the governor of this state and you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I think you we know, all... You know me better than that, Brian. <laughs> anyway, I think we're all kind of over that phrase as, as much as uh, I hate uh, at the end of the day. But anyway, all right, so that's it for another day. Uh, phone number 502-200-5210. Uh, call us, uh, listen to our podcast. 
Uh, we did change the name, so if you guys are, uh, if you're used to seeing Peace of Mind Radio, it's not going to say the money puzzle. It's going to be real cool. We're really excited about what we've got coming out. Uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we're going to, we'll actually do a podcast on that specific thing we have uh, getting ready to come out. Uh, so it's going to be kind of cool. Uh, but anyway, if you've got any questions or if you've got any topics you want us to cover, let us know. We're happy to, uh, to cover those topics. But I think this has been a good one. Uh, we get these calls a lot about what's a correction, you know, what's this mean, what should I be doing. So it was good that we covered it. Uh, but anyway, Eric's going to sign us off, and we'll, we'll talk to you uh, guys next week. Thanks for uh, watching. Uh, thanks for listening to the Money Puzzle Podcast, uh, wherever you might be doing so. Uh, if you can please leave us uh, a review, uh, you know, make sure you're subscribed and, and leave us a rating. We would greatly appreciate it and spread the word to any friends or family that you think might benefit from any of the topics that we discuss here on the show. Uh, look forward to uh, being in your living rooms or in your, your car stereos again here next week. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors, LLC, Doing Businesses Independent Financial Partners, IFP, IFP Securities, Doing Businesses, IFP, and its advisors believe to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. This report may not be reproduced, distributed, or published by any person for any purpose without IFP's express prior written consent. Securities offered through IFP Securities, LLC, doing business as independent financial partners, IFP, member of FINRA and SIPC, investment advice offered through IFP Advisors, doing business as IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and Family Wealth Planning Partners are not affiliated. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors, LLC, doing business as IFP, IFP Securities LLC doing business as IFP and its advisors believe to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors.